you can spend so much time talking about what Jesus said that you don't ever really get in there and look at what he said. Did you get what did you get what I just said? You get that? Talk so much about what he said that you can overlook actually going in there and looking at what he actually indeed said. So that's what we're doing this year is rather than I think we're going to be on it all year long. The red letters. You know, Jesus had a lot to say. He had a lot to say about the Holy Ghost. He had a lot to say about the end times. He had a lot to say about a lot of things. And so we need to spend time looking at what he actually said about some of these things. So we may be on this subject of Jesus. You could spend a whole year looking at what Jesus had to say about things and not get bored. What do you think? His words are life. They're spirit in their life, aren't they? All right. So. John 6, verse 53, Jesus said to them, most assuredly, and this is in the New King James Version. All of these today will be in the New King James Version. John 6, 53, Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I'll raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, my blood is drink indeed. And verse 60 says, therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Now, that is kind of a hard saying, isn't it? Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll not have eternal life. That's a hard saying, isn't it? Does that mean we're supposed to go up to Jesus as he's standing there and take a bite out of his arm? that mean we're supposed to cut his vein and start drinking his blood? Is that? Well, well, it's a hard saying. And uh, we'll, we're going to talk about that. And uh, they said, who can understand it? And then verse 66 said, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Jesus had a mass exodus from his ministry. And he only had 12 people left and, and, and after these pe- all these people walked away from him. Can you imagine Jesus only had 12 people left after he made that statement? They didn't understand what he was talking about. It's a hard saying. They didn't get it. And they, many of them got offended with it and walked away. I'm going to title this today, Flesh and Blood. Flesh and Blood is the title of this. And uh, this message today, Flesh and Blood. And... Uh, Actually, if you go back up in chapter 6 and and up above where we just read, Jesus had just done some great miracles of healing, some powerful, powerful miracles of healing. And then he he had multiplied the loaves of bread and the fish. And that's an awesome thing where he took just a few loaves of bread and fish and fed, what, 5,000 men plus the women and children and I mean, that's an awesome miracle. And then he had gone up onto the mountain. Jesus did. Apparently, he went up to pray because typically when he pulled away from his disciples and went up on a mountain by himself, he would go to pray. And his disciples went down there, there by the sea and it got late. And so they got in the ship and they went to the other side without Jesus. He wasn't on the ship. And then a storm blew up. And Jesus came walking on the sea to his disciples. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? There's some some bizarrely wild, powerful miracles going on. With the healing of the the multitudes. And then the uh, multiplying of the loaves and and the fish. And then Jesus walking on the sea. And then something else happens. Jesus, when he gets into the boat, immediately, just that quick, the boat is at the other side of the of the sea. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? How many of you, you've never gone on a trip and you get in a car and just immediately you're where you want to be and it's, you know, 10 miles away or 50 miles away, you know, that's pretty awesome. So this is all going on. And then the next day, after the disciples and Jesus get to the other side, and the next day these people that he had fed the day before, maybe not all of them, but a good number of them, catch up with Jesus. They get in the boats and come across the sea, and they catch up with him. 
And if you look at John 6.25, it says that when they found him on the other side of the sea, <coughs> excuse me, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, you know, when did you come here? See, they were looking for him. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I've read the Bible many times and, and I, I, I miss this. It's interesting that now Jesus in verse 26, he said, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and are filled. Jesus knew their hearts. He knew why they came after him. But it's interesting. We'll get back to that. It's interesting that how did Jesus get across that sea? How did he get across that sea? At least part of it. What did he do? The night before, how did he get across that sea? At least part of it. How did he get across? Huh? Yeah, he prayed. But how did he get across the sea? At least part of it. He walked it. He walked on on a water. Now, is that pretty awesome? Amazing. And then when he got on a ship, what happened to the ship? I just told you. When he got on a ship, what happened to it? Immediately, it's on the other side. Do you see Jesus telling that to these people? Huh? He didn't say a word to them about it, did he? I don't know. You see, sign of maturity in Jesus. Would you say he's mature? He's as mature as it gets. I know if it had been me, as I'm getting older, uh, but if it had been me, I'd have been quick to say, you know, as they said, how did you? They said, verse 25, when they found him on the other, other side of the sea, they said to him, when did you come here? I would have said, well, you know what? I was up there praying and I came down and the disciples had already left and I just started walking out on the water and walked about however far out on the water. And then I got in a ship and immediately we're at the other side. See, you draw an attention to the to, mature people don't draw attention to themselves and to the to the to the to the powerful things that God's doing through them. Jesus wasn't interested in drawing attention to himself. He was always interested in drawing attention to his heavenly father. Do you get that? And, and, and when you have to tell people, you know, now there's nothing wrong with with recounting healing testimonies. That's all good because that builds faith in people. But but you got to be watchful because, because, you know, when God uses us, we, we, we don't want to bring attention to ourselves. We want to always give him the honor and the glory. Did you get that? So Jesus just didn't say anything. He just said, but but he did know their heart. He said in verse 26, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Now, isn't that interesting? Jesus knew their heart. He knew they weren't really interested in the power of God so much as they were interested in their own belly. Did, 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 did you see that? And I've seen that's true. Of, that's true of so many people. Uh, you know, <laughs> people are more interested in in. In what they're going to get to eat a lot of times than they are in the real power of God moving. But that's just human nature. Nothing nothing I can do about it. And uh, and if it's going to happen to Jesus, it'll happen to those who follow him. And so the people here that, that caught up with him weren't interested so much in the miracles and all of that. They were interested in, in the food. So then in verse 27, he says, don't labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man, now do you all know who the Son of Man is? That's Jesus. Will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may, now get this, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Verse 29, Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God. Now, now watch this. This is the work of God. What is the work of God? That you believe in him whom he sent. Well, who did God send? He sent Jesus. So what is the work of God? What is the work of God? To believe in who? Right. And is that from your head or from your heart? From your heart. Therefore, they said to him. Now, look at verse 30. And this is, again, you're going to see human nature here. Human is the way people, most people are. Therefore, they said to him, what sign will you perform then? That we may see it and believe you. What work will you do? What, 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 have you ever heard that song, What Have You Done For Me Lately? 
What did Jesus just do the day before? I mean, he performed, if you read up there, I just went through it. He performed miracles and signs and wonders. Is that right? Powerful things. And then he multiplied. They didn't have anything to eat. And he took that little boy's lunch and he multiplied the loaves and the fish. Is that right? Didn't those people, they saw that just the day before. And now they're asking him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What more do these people want? Well, you did that yesterday, Jesus. What are you going to do today? You are far better off to come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ apart from seeing signs and wonders. Did you get what I just said? And most people, most people, the vast majority of people that 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 see signs and wonders, healing miracles, there's there's just a few of them, just a few of them that will continue on with Jesus. But most of them. They can get healed in their own body of terminal cancer by the power of God. And you'll see them years later. They're not, they don't continue with Jesus. Isn't that sad? Because you see the signs and the wonders and the miracles. It will draw people, but it won't keep most people. There's a few that it will, but most of them. Won't believe on Jesus because of the signs and the wonders. In those cities where he did most of his mighty miracles, he eventually pronounced a curse on them because they wouldn't repent and believe. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? And did Moses have the same problem with the people when he parted the Red, the God parted the Red Sea through him and all those mighty miracles? And the people still murmured and complained and said, we'd have been better off back in Egypt. Is that right? Signs and wonders will draw people, but they will not keep people. People have to fall in love with Jesus. And you're better off to come to the Lord without a sign or a wonder, just having the word of God, hearing the word of God preached, and just believing on him apart from seeing anything or feeling anything. Did you get that? Did you get that? Okay. Now... So they say, do a sign, so we'll believe in you. Then verse 31, <coughs> they said this, our fathers ate manna in the desert. Now, remember that manna was, was that food, manna? Remember that? That bread that came down? Our fathers ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. But my father, see, Moses didn't give him the bread. Moses was just a man like you or me. Who, who brought that bread down there every day? Who did it? God the Father. And then he says, my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Now, let's stop right here and let me ask you, is Jesus literally a loaf of bread? No. You need to understand that. But you see, that manna that came down was bread, right? A little side journey. Manna means what is it? That's what that word means. That came down every day, didn't it, for the people in the wilderness to eat? What is it? Jesus is the bread of life come down and the people, when they looked at it, what is it? They didn't recognize Jesus. Is that right? The majority of them, just a few did. It's a little symbolism. See, that manna that came down in the Old Testament under Moses' ministry was a type. Realize, say a type. It was a type of Jesus. The Old Testament is full of types of, of what Jesus, would, of Jesus, you see. Okay? And this is just one of them. And he says, I'm the bread of life. He's using symbolic language. He's really not a loaf of bread. But he said, I'm the bread of life. Now watch this. He who comes to me will never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. Do you see where Jesus is putting the emphasis? It's on believing, isn't it? Or not believing. And then verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, 
And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Isn't that good news? That's good news. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Verse 39. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. He's talking about all those that will believe in him. Now look at verse 40. And this is the will of him who sent me. That everyone who sees the Son, who's the Son? Jesus. And, now get this next part. If you're a note taker, underline this, highlight this. He said, everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have what? May have everlasting life. So you need to get that now. If you're a note taker, please underline this. He says that who, that everyone who sees the Son, that's Jesus, And believes in him may have everlasting life. So how do you get the everlasting life? By what? By believing in him. With your head or with your heart? Okay. And I'll raise him up at the last day. What does that mean? That means that you you live your life out. You die. You go to heaven. And then at the last day when the resurrection is, he'll raise your body up and you're have a glorified body and your born again spirit will go back in your body and live forever. Isn't that wonderful? That's what he's talking about. I'll raise him up the last day. Verse 41. But but before we leave verse 40, how did you get that everlasting life? Because I'm going to ask you about this in just a few minutes. How did you get that everlasting life in verse 40? How did you get it? How did you get the everlasting life? I'm going to go over it again. How did you get the everlasting life? Now, are you going to remember that here in just a few minutes? How did you get the everlasting life? Believing in the Lord Jesus. Is that right? All right. Now, verse 41. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? So, see, they were familiar with him and. And didn't have the respect for him that they should and, and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, verse 43. Jesus therefore answered and said to them, do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I'll raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the father except he who is from God He has seen the Father. It's talking about Jesus. He's seen the Father. Now watch this, verse 47. Most assuredly I say to you, here it is again now, he who believes in me has what? Now is that the same thing he said in verse 40? Yeah. How do you get that everlasting life? By what? Believing in him. That's important now. Now let's go on here to verse 48. He said, I am the bread of life. Now is he a loaf of bread? No. No. He's not a loaf of bread, is he? Now, that's symbolic, isn't it? I'm the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. He's not talking about physical death. He's talking about that you live eternally with, with, with God. That's what he means there. He already talked about raising I'm up at the last day. Jesus isn't saying we're never going to die physically. What he is saying is if we'll believe in him, we'll get raised back to life one day and live with him for eternity. Now, verse 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. That's just another way of saying he'll have everlasting life. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh. Which I shall give for the life of the world. Well, he's going to give his flesh on the cross, isn't he? Just some days ahead from this time. The Jews, therefore, quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Now they ask a question. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Now you need to understand what I'm about to say. They were listening to a spiritual truth with natural thinking. They were listening to a spiritual truth with natural thinking. This leads to misinterpretation and confusion. Whenever you listen to spiritual truth with your natural thinking, 
it's going to lead to misinterpretation and confusion. Remember with Nicodemus? Remember Nicodemus came to Jesus by night? And Jesus told him, you must be born again. And Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? What is Nicodemus doing there? That's back in John chapter 3. What was he doing? He was listening to spiritual truth with his natural thinking. Natural thinking. Right? And Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. See, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus about spiritual things, and they were listening to it with their natural thinking. Nicodemus was listening to it with his natural thinking. Same thing's happening here. Jesus is talking to these people about spiritual things, and they're listening with their natural thinking. And they're thinking that he's actually telling them that they need to eat his flesh, which isn't what he was telling them at all. But if you look at this with natural thinking, that's what you're going to walk away. You're going to get you're going to get confused just like these people did, misinterpret things, get confused, get offended. And what did they ultimately do? They walked away from Jesus, didn't they? Didn't they? Yes, they did. Now, John six, verse 53, then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat not now, here we go. Now, watch this. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has what? Has eternal life. Now, wait a minute. How did we, Now, I told you we was going back up to verse 40. In verse 40, how did you get eternal life? Believing in Jesus. Verse 47, how did you get eternal life? Believing in Jesus. Now here, how do you get eternal life? By eating his flesh and drinking his blood. If you look at that naturally, that's not what he's talking about. But if you look at that naturally, now you're going to get confused. You're going to think you actually got to go up and take a bite out of Jesus' arm or cut his vein and start drinking his blood. And, and Jesus was not talking about cannibalism or being a vampire. Can anybody say amen? If you look at verse 40 and verse 47, you get the answer to verse 54. How do you eat the flesh of Jesus and drink his blood? How do you do it? By believing on him. Do you get that? Are you sure? All right. Now, in just a minute, I'm going to talk to you about how this how we interpret the juice and the, and the, and the bread. But let me let me get to that. So verse 54, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. But we just went over that. Verse 40, verse 47, he told us how we get eternal life by believing in him. So whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. How do you eat his flesh? How do you drink his blood? By what? Believing on him, on Jesus. And I'll raise him up the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. Now... Actually, I want to say this, as I've already said it, I want to say it again. If Jesus was talking literally here about literally eating his flesh and drinking his blood, don't you think he would have said, Peter, John, come on over here. Here's my arm. Take a chunk. Take a bite. Now, you laugh at that, but that's what these people thought he meant. Because they were listening to spiritual truth with their natural thinking. If Jesus was, was literally meaning drink his blood, wouldn't he have said, here guys, get a cup here, I'm gonna uh, drain some of my blood into it. Now you, you sit there and say, oh, you know, you, that grosses you out, and it should. He wasn't talking about that. I said he wasn't talking about that. What was he talking about? He wasn't talking about, because if he was talking literally, then we've gotta literally drink his blood, and we literally gotta take a bite out of him. Is that right? No. How do you eat his flesh and drink his blood? By what? Believing on him. You okay? All right. Now, look at verse 56. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Well, uh, uh, the way that, that that has to be interpreted is... He who believes upon me abides in me and I in him. 
Now, with this abiding thing in mind, look at verse 56. He said, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Let's look at another verse of scripture and let's let Jesus interpret that. What did he say here in verse 56? He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood does what? Abides in me and I in him. Now, he said, he who eats my flesh, drinks my blood, abides in me and I in him. Now, let me get, let's hold your place here in John 6. Look at John 12, verse 46. New King James Version. John 12, verse 46. Let's let Jesus interpret this and he'll just back up what, what, what he's been saying all along, what I've been saying to you. Look at 1246. I have come as a light into the world. Oh, by the way, was Jesus a light bulb? Was he literally a light bulb? No. Is he talking symbolically? See, Jesus used symbolic language a lot. He said one time, he said, I'm the door. Is Jesus a door? A literal door? Huh? He said, I'm the true vine. Is he really a vine? A true, a, a literal vine. See, symbolic language. But right here, now what did we just read? We just read where he said, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. But now look at John 12:46. I've come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not, what's that next word? Abide in darkness. So if you're not in darkness, you're in the light. You're in Jesus, in the light. How do you abide in him? He just said, whoever, what? Believes in me will not abide in darkness. So if you're not in darkness, you're in the what? Now, how did he say that you got in the light? By what? Believing in him. But what did he say back in John 6:56? He said, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me. But what's the interpretation of that? John 12, 46. You abide in him when you believe in him. So how do you eat the flesh of, his, of the Son of Man and drink his blood? How do you do that? Literally or is it by what? Believing in and on him. Is that right? Can you see that? All right. Now, look at back to John 6, verse 57. As the living Father sent me. I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me, how do you feed on Jesus? By believing on him, getting in his word, studying his word. We'll show you that in a moment. Feeds on me, will live because of me. Verse 58, this is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. We've already explained that to you. Verse 59. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. (coughs) Who can understand it? Well, we've already read that. That's how we opened the message today. See, it's hard saying. What are they doing? They're listening to spiritual truth with what? Natural thinking. Then Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this. He said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? Now watch verse 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. See, he's talking about spiritual things. He says it's the Spirit who gives life. Just like what he told Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. He's telling these people the same thing. He's saying, it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. What is he saying here? He's saying that here's how you eat my flesh and drink my blood, by listening to my words and believing on them and believing on me. Did you get that? Did you see that? Now, look at verse 46. But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. See, he's putting the emphasis on the believing or not believing, see. Verse 65, and he said, therefore, I've said to you that no one can come to me unless it's been granted to him by my father. From that, now watch this, even after Jesus, now watch this, even after Jesus gives them the explanation. About, you know, 
It's the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. My, my words are spirit. The words I speak to your spirit and they are life. He explains to them. But notice verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. A lot of times when people misinterpret something, they get offended. There's nothing you can do. They walk away. They walk away. It's very sad. But they walked away from him. Over this right here, what we're talking about. He, he, was, he had 12 people left. That's all he had left. Because they were listening to spiritual truths with what? Their natural thinking. Then Jesus, verse 67, said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? I really admire that about Jesus. He knew who he was. He said what he meant. He meant what he said. He was compassionate. He tried to explain it. But he wasn't going to keep going over and over and over and over it. Believe me, I've learned from experience when people get something set in their head and they've decided they're going to go their own way, you can sit and talk to them until you're blue in the face. You just have to go on with what God's told you to do and that's what Jesus did. And so he looks at the twelve, he says, do you want to go away? And Simon Peter, now look at this, Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Look at verse 69, powerful, powerful, powerful verse. And he said, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, why is that so powerful? We've come to believe and to know that you're the Christ, the son of the living God. It's powerful when you put it together with what Jesus told them over in Matthew's gospel account. If you remember that. Remember, Jesus said, whom do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're this prophet. Some say you're that prophet. Some say you're John the Baptist. And then he said, but whom do you say that I am? Remember that? And Peter said, thou art to Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. Peter had a revelation knowledge of who Jesus was. And he got that revelation. Now, remember what I told you all ago, that signs and wonders are good and they'll draw people, but they won't keep people. Remember that? And you see, those signs and wonders drew a lot of people to Jesus' ministry. But when push came to shove, they didn't stay with Jesus. But Peter stuck with him. Why? Because Peter wasn't there because of the signs and the wonders and the miracles. Peter was with Jesus because he had a revelation from Almighty God of who Jesus was. And that's what you want and that's what I want. Because then... If we get to signs, if we get to wonders, that's good. But I don't need to see a sign. I don't need to see a wonder. I don't need to see a lightning bolt. I don't need to see somebody get healed. I don't need to see somebody, uh, uh, you know, uh, raised, raised up off a deathbed. I don't need to see somebody raised from the dead. I don't need any of that. All I need is the word of God and I believe it. And Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have what? Believed. And that's why Peter I know Peter had some weak times. Have you ever had some weak times? He even denied Jesus three times. Remember that? But because he had that revelation of who Jesus was, he stuck with him. And God was able to use him greatly to bless other people. Do you see that? So that's the kind of revelation you want this is a little side journey from flesh and blood, but it's good nonetheless. You, 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 want, you want to know who Jesus is because it's been revealed to you. His word's been revealed to you by the Father, not because of some sign or wonder or miracle. As good as they are. Did you get that? So, to have eternal life, do you actually have to eat the flesh of Jesus and literally eat the flesh and literally drink his blood? Or, 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 is, or was that symbolically speaking? And then what he's really talking about is to eat his flesh and drink his blood is to believe on him. It, it, that, that's what it is, isn't it? Did you, did you get that? Now, before we receive communion, I want you to go to Matthew 26. We're almost finished here. Have you ever heard of the doctrine of transubstantiation? Now, I'm not going to ask anybody to spell that. But the doctrine of transubstantiation, believed by the Roman Catholic Church, that the bread and the wine, or the the juice, literally 
Realize, say literally. Literally, they believe literally that when the priest blesses the bread, and I'm not here to put anybody down. I'm not, that's not what I'm, I'm just teaching. I'm just teaching. You do with it whatever you want. But they literally believe that when the priest blesses the bread and the, we use grape juice. Some people use, use wine, fruit of the vine, whatever. But they literally believe that when the priest blesses it, that the bread becomes the literal body of Jesus and the blood becomes the literal blood of Jesus. I do not believe that. And, and I could stand here for about an hour and go over. I've given you, I've given you quite a bit here today. But I could stand here for about another hour, I'm not going to do it, and give you one reason after another why the doctrine of transubstantiation is not, is not right, it's not valid. I'm not going to take the time with that. I think that you have, if somebody wants to talk to me about it sometime, I'll talk to you privately about it. But this doctrine says that when the priest blesses the bread and the, and the juice... That the bread and the juice literally become the body and the blood of Jesus. I, I, I do not believe that. But what I do believe is that this bread is representative or symbolic of the body of Jesus. And this juice is representative or symbolic of the blood of Jesus. Do you get that? So these elements are very, very holy in that they don't literally become the body and the blood, but they represent the body and the blood, and they're to be handled with total and complete respect. Now, I will say this. There are some that believe that if they go to church, you know, to the Mass, they call it the Mass in the Catholic Church. I'm not here to beat the Catholics up. I believe the Catholics have the Jesus of the Bible. The Mormons don't have the Jesus of the Bible. The Jehovah's Witnesses don't have the Jesus of the Bible. The Catholics have the Jesus of the Bible, but they have a whole lot of other things that, that, that hinders them. See, praying to Mary is, 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 is just wrong. It's not lying with the Scripture. Did you hear what I just said? Do you know when somebody becomes a saint... The moment, the instant that they become a believer and they receive Jesus, they become a saint right there. Did you hear what I just said? Did you get that? And all the relics and all the statues and all of that, that's, that's just idolatry is all that is. That's not right. Can you say amen? But I do believe that, 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 that in the Catholic denomination, religion, faith, whatever you want to call it, Catholics... That, it, that they do have the Jesus of the Bible, and if they'll receive him, they get born again. But there's some, and here's the dangerous thing, that because I've talked to many of them, they believe that if they go to, to the Mass, and they think that you've got to go to church every Sunday to be saved. How many of you know you don't ever have to go to church to be saved? Is that right? But going to church is something saved people do. Is that right? Now, here's the thing. They believe that when they come to church on Sunday to Mass, they literally think that, that, when they, that, that, that to be saved, they have to come regularly and eat the flesh and drink the blood. And they think that in so doing, drink, eating the, the bread and drinking the, 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 the juice, they think that there's saving power in that. And there's some Catholic folk, they'll live their whole life thinking they come to church, they eat the bread, they drink the... Because see, Jesus said, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, didn't he say that? You'll have eternal life. But he wasn't talking about literally eating. Is that right? He was talking about what? Believing on him. But they'll come and they'll eat and they'll drink and they'll think that in that they have eternal life. And they don't. And they die one day and go to hell. Isn't that sad? I said, isn't that sad? I said, isn't that sad? It's like a person served their whole life in church. Serve in Sunday school, do whatever. But, but they never heard the message of believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting in Him. And they die and go to hell. Isn't that sad? Yeah, but they served in the children's church for, for 30 years. That doesn't mean anything. 
as, as it pertains to salvation. Now, that'll be rewarded once in heaven, but that won't get you to heaven. Did you hear me? Only thing gets you to heaven is what? Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Water baptism won't help you. This won't help you. The communion meal. Did you hear me? Giving tithes, giving offerings. None of that will help. There's only one way to have eternal life. And what is it? That's believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that right? Did you get that? But they come week in and week out. And they'll believe, And I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying I'm not putting my trust in a, in a little cup of a, 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 a juice and a little thing of bread. I don't trust in these elements. Did you hear what I just said? But I do trust in what these represent. And that's literally the blood of the Lord Jesus and his body. Did you hear what I just said? So, so when you receive this today, don't trust in this juice or this little piece of bread to save you. But trust in what they represent. They represent the body and the blood. Trust in that and then you'll be saved. Did you hear what I did? you get what I just said? Somebody said, why don't we receive communion every week around here? Well, the Bible says as often as you there is as often as you receive it, there's no set time where you ought to receive communion. We do it about every six weeks. Why do we do it? It is we do it in remembrance of him. Look at look. Look at Matthew 26, 26. And then we'll close here. Just just read this. Matthew 26, 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take eat. This is my body. Now, you know, the doctrine of transubstantiation says it literally becomes his body. I, I don't believe that. This this represents my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them and said, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood. From what we've read today, this represents my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I'll not drink from this fruit of the vine. Well, it's interesting, even after he blessed it, see, in the Roman Catholic Church, once you bless it, you wouldn't necessarily call it juice anymore you call it the blood but after jesus blessed it he's still calling it juice or or wine interesting isn't it but i say to you i'll not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until the day i drink it new with you in my father's kingdom and then they sang a hymn and went out the mount of olives look at first we'll stop with first corinthians 11 23 turn there paul got this from jesus he said, 1 Corinthians 11, 23, for I received, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, the Lord Jesus, same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Uh, when he'd given thanks, he broke and said, take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in what? In remembrance of me. That's why we're doing this, in remembrance of him, what he did for us on the cross. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat... It's interesting, verse 26, as you eat this bread. Interesting. See, in the, in the doctrine of transubstantiation, once a priest blesses it, it's no longer bread. It's the body. And here, Paul, called, after, after he talked about Jesus gave thanks and blessing it, he's still calling it bread, isn't he? Interesting, isn't it? See, this doesn't literally become the body and the blood. It represents the body of the blood and the blood. For as often as you, drink, as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim or show forth the Lord's death till he comes. Did you get anything out of this today? Did you? Okay. So is it literally eating or drinking his body and blood or is it believing on him? Believing on him. Does this literally become the body and the blood or does it represent the body and the blood? Represents. Represents. Now you do with that whatever you want. But I will tell you this. You are on dangerous, dangerous ground. If you're trusting in eating this and drinking this for your salvation. If that's what you're trusting in. I'm going to eat this, drink this and I'll be saved. You're, 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 that's dangerous because you're headed to hell. Did you hear what I just said? But if you will trust in what does, what does this represent? It represents the body of Christ. What does this represent? The blood of Christ. If you'll trust in what this represents, now then you tap into to saving power. Did you get that? All right. Now they're going to pass out the, the, uh, uh, the communion meal. Go ahead and pass it out. 
While they're passing it out, I have a few final thoughts for you. Go ahead and pass it out, fellas, as quick as you can. Now listen to this while they're passing this out. Who Who is eligible to receive this? Well, it's for born-again people. It's for saved people. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, just when this goes by, I'd, I'd, I, I, what I would do if I was, was you is I would just let it, let it go on past. If you're not saved, just let it go on past. And, uh, and then after we're done receiving this, there'll be some people standing up here. You can come up here, make Jesus the Lord of your life, receive him, and then you'll be eligible to receive the communion meal. Okay, this is not this is not for the lost. This is for the already saved people. Did you hear what I just said? Now, there are some churches that you got to be an actual member of their church before you can receive this. How many of you know that's not true that, that you know, being a member of a certain local church has nothing to do it. You need to be a member of the body of Christ. And that comes through faith in Jesus. Did you get what I just said? Did you hear that? Okay, so if you're here today and you already know Jesus as your savior, then go ahead and take take the bread and take the juice and you're eligible to receive communion. If you don't know Jesus, then just hold off on it. When we dismiss, there'll be people up here. Come up here, pray with them, get saved, and then they'll serve you the communion meal then. Did you hear me? Did you got that? Okay. Now then one other thing, talking to Christians while they're finishing passing this out. The Bible talks about that if you partake of this, and there's sin in your life. Now listen carefully. All right, say, I'm listening. I don't want any of you to die young. That's what the Bible says. If you don't listen to what I'm saying now, you could die young. You read it right there in 1 Corinthians. If you don't respect this, what represents the body and the blood, or if you've got things in your life that's not right, I'm going to just be as blunt as I can be. If you're here and you believe on the Lord Jesus, but there's stuff in your life that's not right, I'd recommend do one of two things. Repent and then receive this. If you're not going to repent, don't receive this. Don't eat, eat it and drink it. If you've, got, if you've got an affair going on and you're cheating on your wife or you're cheating on your husband or you've got something going on that shouldn't be going on, huh? You've got some, some sin there that shouldn't be there. It may not cost you your salvation, but I tell you what, you partake of this meal, it can cost you, cost you to, to not live out your life. That's what was happening in Corinth. They were taking, partaking of this communion meal in an unworthy manner. They were handling it improperly. Much we could say. But if there's sin in your life and you're not going to put it away, you'd be better off not to receive this. It may not cost you your salvation. But you may wind up in heaven a lot earlier than you care to. Because it's a holy thing to God. So repent. If you're not going to repent, don't, don't take this. Just set it down. Don't, don't, don't take it. That's how serious this is. This is not just a time to eat a little bread and drink a little juice. This is very serious. I remember the, the excellent minister, Jack Van Empey. Have you ever heard of him? Jack Van Empey. He preached on the body and the blood years ago in this massive crusade. And he talked about some of the things that I just mentioned now from 1 Corinthians. And he said it was interesting that, that about half of the crowd had such a fear of God in them that they wouldn't approach the meal. They, didn't, they, 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 they wouldn't receive it. That's the kind of fear, guys, we ought to have when we come to the house of God. Did you hear what I just said? Did you hear what I just said? We ought to approach the house of God with reverence and respect. We ought to approach these worship services with reverence and respect. We approach the word of God with reverence and respect. We approach the communion meal with reverence and respect. We approach the tithes and offering basket with reverence and respect. Holy unto God. Holy unto God. Let's pray over this now and we'll partake of this communion meal. Heavenly Father, we come before you with reverence and respect. We thank you for that which represents the body of Jesus, which bore our sins. He bore our sins in his body on the cross. 
He also bore our sickness and carried our disease. And with his stripes were healed. As we partake of this bread, we know it represents your body that was broken for us. And we are so grateful for what you did for us by presenting your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God as our substitute on our behalf. And that as we believe in you, that we're saved and we have eternal life and that body that was broken for us, that that, that sins were laid on it, but also sickness and disease and that we can receive our healing. Now, I'm going to tell you people here today, if you've got sickness in your body, as you partake of this bread, by faith, receive your healing into your body. Sickness has to go. So we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now, break and eat. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that which represents the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That cleansing agent that is so powerful that it doesn't just cover sin but it obliterates sin and washes it away (coughs) as though it never happened in the first place powerful just as powerful we know that your body and your blood is just as relevant today as it's ever been your word is just as relevant today as it's ever been we thank you for the blood of Jesus that we've been bought Not with silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus. It keeps us out of a devil's hell. And sir, we are just so grateful that as we've placed our faith in you, that that blood has washed us from all sin and caused us to be born again. And as we as Christians live our lives and we miss it, we confess and repent of our sins. You're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we just thank you for it. Thank you for that blood. And now as we partake of that which represents your holy blood, we do so reverently and we do so proclaiming your death until you come again, which is nigh at hand, even at the doors. Partake. Hallelujah. Now they'll be passing out a receptacle to collect the cup. Stand with me in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your holy name forever. You can turn that music off now if you would. Thank you. The Bible says when they received the Last supper, they sang a hymn and went went their way. <clears throat> let's uh, let's just sing a hymn. Let's sing the Hallelujah chorus, and then you'll be dismissed. If you need to come up and get saved, do so. If you need other prayer for something else, come up. The people will be up here to pray with you. Don't forget, we're having refreshments for you.